0: You don't want to give the preacher extra time, but, but that's not why you folks are nervous, and some of you are nervous, and I will tell you why, and I've been there myself. You um, you're not done your shopping yet, and so but I don't want you to be distracted because of that because I have an important message for you. So uh, so Kathleen Carnally has a little merch table, and you could get uh, that's that you could finish up your whole list right there. CD. It'd be a blessing to her and her, her music ministry, and then you can now focus, you can now be relaxed. Because uh, we're talking about joy, and joy is an important topic because we all want joy. I think everybody in this room would be pro-joy, and, uh, but, but at the same time, joy can be one of those elusive things that we kind of want it, but it feels a little bit out of reach, maybe a little distant. But here's what happened at the first Christmas. An angel shows up and says, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all the people. So this the scope of this joy that comes to the world because of Christmas, it's it's not just joy, but it's great joy. And it's, it's an announcement of the arrival of a Savior. And it's not just for a group of people or one, uh, just... Uh, Certain set or one family or one religion—it's—it's it's for the whole world. This news of what happened. Um, so, the, Christmas should, we would think, bring great joy. But there's no shortage in the world of joyless people, even—even even joyless Christians, joyless churches, and um, boring churches and things that are, are dull. I hope you're not bored today or tonight. But I remember when I was a, a teenager. You know, I, I wasn't real interested in church. I would leave. We would sneak out of church at the last song during the, the sermon. And we'd go sneak to Howard Johnson's right, right around behind the church. And then we'd come back for the closing song and we'd, like, like we had never left. And we got away with that for a long time um, before we got caught. Uh, but I had very little interest in, in sticking around. Uh, and my sisters are here. They can verify that we used to do that. Um, Anyway, there was a a famous hymn writer. His name was Isaac Watts in in the early 18th century. And he was pretty, he wasn't bored so much, but he was dissatisfied with the singing in the church because the churches in his day, all they would sing was the psalms. And and the psalms are good, and God's people have been singing the psalms for hundreds of years. They're they're good, and they're full of, of worship and joy. But he felt that there was just, it was a very limited way to worship God. Because the Psalms were written before Jesus. And he knew that when Jesus came on the scene, that everything changed. And that there was a, God's joy and God's love and God's salvation could be known in a whole new way because of Jesus. So what he did, Isaac Watts, is he took the Psalms and he rewrote them. and he, So he basically used the Psalms as a starting point, And he was considering how they are even greater... And how these words of worship are even greater at the coming of Jesus. So Psalm 98, which was just read for us, Isaac Watts took Psalm 98 and he thought about Jesus. And he thought about what this worship would be like in light of Jesus. And he wrote a very famous song called Joy to the World, which we just sang. So Joy to the World, which we, which, which we sung together tonight and sing it Christmas time is Isaac Watt's interpretation or his rendition of Psalm 98. It's just these same words. And it's because of Jesus, it's because of Christmas, that the joy that we can know in God is even greater. And I want to... The the famous reformer, Martin Luther, he, he said it like this. He said, there is such richness and goodness in the birth of Jesus that if we should see and deeply understand it, we should be dissolved in perpetual joy. Isn't that great? Dissolved in perpetual joy. That's the kind of joy. Not this fleeting, elusive joy, but a deep, abiding joy. That's the joy we want. And that's the joy we find in Jesus. And I want to give you three reasons why there's just so much joy. And we can sing joy to the world at Christmas. The first reason is this. There's so much joy because the Lord has come. And we sang that, right? Joy Joy to the world, the Lord has come. God has revealed himself. In our psalm here, Psalm 98, it's printed on the back of your bulletin, but verse 2 says, the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. This is a fundamental truth that God has revealed himself to the world. Now, there's a lot of folks out there who are agnostic and basically just means an agnostic person would say, you know, well, maybe there's a God out there, but you just, you can't know for sure. And there's just... Who knows? I mean, how could a, a finite human even comprehend of something like an infinite? And I'd say, well, that's a good point. I mean, I would agree with you unless. Unless God has made himself known, unless God has revealed himself to the world. This is how, this is how the Bible describes this in Hebrew chapter, Hebrews chapter one. It says, in the past, God spoke to, to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the whole universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The point here is that Jesus is God. So the question for us is, is that true? Is the baby in the manger the God of the universe? And how you answer that question will fundamentally change everything. Everything. Is Jesus God? And I would love, we'd love as a church to explore that question. For people to to, to truly just explore. Could this even be true? And what does that mean for me? One way we do that is we have a what's called an alpha course. There's another one. There's an alpha course starting in, in January. We'd love to have you join and explore this idea. Is, is it even possible that God could do this? Is it true? And I don't have time here in this place to sort of go through a big explanation of that. I'll give you a sort of a short explanation. I don't know if this is helpful. It was an argument that was Put forth by uh, the Christian writer C.S. Lewis, of course, and he basically said, "You know, we know that Jesus claimed to be God. That's what got him killed. The charges against Jesus at his crucifixion were that he was claiming to be equal with God. So, if Jesus claimed to be God, but wasn't God, then he's just a a liar. So, is Jesus a liar? From what we know of what's been recorded of his life." His, his teachings, his actions, and his words, is he a deceiver? Is he that evil? Or, from what we know of his life, was he truth? Did he do and say the things you think God would do if he came to this earth? So, Is he a liar? Or is he not lying and he's just crazy? Is he a lunatic? But here we have a man whose teaching was so clear and so profound and so that it truly reveals God's heart. You know, is this a lunatic? Is this a liar? It doesn't leave us with a lot of options. So the question is: is Jesus Lord? And if it's true that Jesus is Lord, then that means that He's come to this earth. He's come a long way to To reach out to us, that that we might know and experience God. That God came all the way to get you. And I believe that is, that could be why you are here in this room this afternoon. That the God of the universe, that Jesus is still here by his spirit. He is here and has come that, that you might know God, that you might know his love. And to know and experience him, and then your life can be so full of meaning and purpose and goodness and love. And all you have to do is respond, respond in faith to him. You may not know all the answers, but if you have any sense that God is calling you right now, do not ignore that. Do not resist it. Don't push it away. It's for you. Just receive it. And then you can experience the joy that God intends. Here's, here's the issue with joy. And the reason why it can feel very elusive to us is that God designed us for his pleasure to enjoy him. And, and the joy that we have comes from understanding that and experiencing him. And when we don't have a relationship, a vital relationship with the God of the universe, that joy is missing. And that's why often uh, we, we lack joy. But we can have joy because the Lord has come. He's come to us. He's come to you. The Lord has come. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. We can have joy and great joy because the Savior reigns. And we're just saying that. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. And here in our psalm in verse 2, the Lord has made his salvation known. verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. There's all this saving salvation language. Well, what's the deal with that? The idea is that God is a God who saves. He has been and always will be a God who saves. And Psalm 98 is an expression of of joy and of singing because God saved his people. I don't know the exact context for this. it, It could be thinking back to the Exodus when God's people were in slavery and he saved them from slavery or maybe it was some other victory or battle where God saved his people. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he comes to achieve an even greater exodus, an even greater salvation. And it undoes all this salvation undoes all the curse of sin. It was somebody Somebody came up to me recently and they said, it's weird at Christmas, we sing this joy to the world and we sing about the curses. We sing, uh, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. It, and it, it seems strange, why are we singing about curses? We're not, so that is a little strange, except that what we're singing is that no, we, we're seeing no more let sin and sorrow grow or thorns infest the ground. That he has come to make his blessings flow far as the curse went. So what happened is when sin entered the world, it severs people's relationship with God. It severs our relationship with each other, and it even severs our relationship with the world around us. That, that he has come to undo that curse, to to save us from it. It's just a major breakdown in the world because of sin. So here's my question. Do, who cares? Do we need this kind of saving now? I think the answer is obvious. It's yes. We need, this world needs a savior. And as we look at the world and, and we look at people, we can, see, we can see very beautiful things in the world. Both in creation and in humanity, there are beautiful things, but we also see very broken things. And as we look at our world, do we think that things are just, you know, constantly getting better, that the world is somehow more unified and, and more peaceful every day? I, I think the answer is no. When we think about war and threats of violence, and we th- we think about even in our nation and the, like people of all different backgrounds and different. Uh, ends of political spectrum. Everybody's frustrated. And and people are are very worried. Does this world need a Savior? I think the answer is obvious, yes. We need a Savior. The Christian author, Max Lucado, said it like this. He said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. We need salvation. And we think we need the most. We think we need happiness. We think we need success. We think we need love. We think we need these things. We need God's salvation. So how do we get it? Jesus came to bring salvation. And it came through the cross. Jesus came and when he went to the cross, he took on himself all of the sin and all of the curse and all of the brokenness on himself. That was was the curse that we should be living and, and we deserve. But he takes it in our place on the cross. And he exchanges us his goodness and his perfect life and his righteousness. One of his disciples, Peter, said it like this in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 10. He said, everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All we have to do is trust him to receive that salvation. I used to work at a summer camp, and I enjoyed that a lot. And there was different groups of... Uh, workers at the camp. There were the horse people who really loved working with the horses, and there was the kitchen people who did all the food stuff, and there was the counselors. But there was the waterfront staff, and they were cool because they had the boat, and they had the canoes, and the swimming, and they were trained to save lives. And they were, they were uh, pretty cool. But one thing they teach the lifeguards, and if, if you're a trained lifeguard, you may know this, you can't save, save someone who's trying to save themselves. So if somebody's flailing in the water and a lifeguard goes out to save them, that's a very dangerous place to be. And that person will often just drag a lifeguard down with them when they're flailing. You actually have to wait till somebody actually passes out or just stops fighting so that they can be saved and be swum to safety. And that's a good image for us. For us to receive by faith this saving work, we've got to stop fighting. We've got to stop striving and trying to earn it. We just, we just turn in faith, and we put our faith in Jesus and what he's accomplished. And then the salvation comes, and the joy comes right with that. So we can have joy because the Lord has come. We can have joy because the Savior reigns. He saves us. But lastly, we can have joy because he rules the world. We see this in verse 6. The Lord is the king in verse 6. And then down in verse 9. He will judge the world in righteousness and peoples with equity. He rules the world with truth and grace, we sang. He's in control of everything. Every aspect of life. And Jesus doesn't just rule from a distance. It's not some God who's just way off in the sky, who's just kind of pulling all the strings and we just can't know. This is a God who has walked where we've walked who has lived the human condition, who understands. Again, the Bible describes it like this. It's describing Jesus as this great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 says, We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach his throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I don't know what your need is, but whatever your need is today, he's faced it. Physical pain, he's he's been through it more than we could ever imagine. Abandonment by friends, in his greatest moment of need, it happened. Ridicule and and oppression, that was his... his daily life. Jesus faced these things. He was a, he was a refugee by his his first birthday. He he was hated and scorned and made fun of and it, he was poor. Whatever we struggle with in the human condition, he's been there. He knows. So the reality is he is able to truly bring us peace and joy even in the midst of those kinds of struggles. How do we get it? How do we experience that? Well, that's what we're trying to do as a church. We need each other. We need to gather and try to help each other understand how is God at work in the midst of these struggles. So we gather. That's that's what this is all about. We share life together. And when we share our lives together, two things happen. One is when we have a burden, your burden gets shared. It gets lighter. Scripture says actually that fulfills the law of Christ, that when we share our burdens, this is a good thing. But we also share our joys. And when you share a joy, it gets multiplied. So where there's joy, there's more joy. And that's why we gather. That's why we gather, as, you know, we gather on Sundays. And that's why we gather into small groups as well. And maybe this is the year where you say, you know what, I want to figure out if, if God is who he is, and if Jesus is who he said he was, and if Christmas is... Christmas, then I can experience that joy. I need to gather with other people, with other believers, or just to explore this. Maybe it's maybe connecting with one of our small groups or connecting on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you back. Even tomorrow, we're going to gather tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. We'll be right back here. We'd love to see you and continue to explore what this means. But we're helping each other. We want to live a life with a whole new dimension of joy and meaning and purpose because Jesus rules the world. He is in control. So we can have great joy because the Lord has come, because the Savior reigns, and because he rules the world. And you know what? Thousands of years ago, God knew that you would be sitting in this room right now, right here in this place. And just like Isaac Watts Wrote Joy to the World. He was rewriting the songs of praise of God's people. Because of Jesus, he could, it had, uh, even those good and right words of worship had a whole new meaning in Jesus. Your life can be rewritten and have a whole new meaning in Jesus. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Jesus, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That new life in Jesus, your your past no longer defines you. It no longer controls you. That you can have new life, a life that is full of love and purpose and joy. Do you want his joy, that real and lasting joy? And are you done fighting and doing everything else to try to get it? Will you receive it by faith? Let's pray together. And as you sit, maybe you could just in the silence of your own heart, pray something like this. Say, Father God, I want your joy. But I know that I need your salvation, Lord. So I pray that, I just pray that you would forgive me. And in the name of Jesus and what he's accomplished, I receive that forgiveness for my sin and just for the curse of life, Lord. All my sin and brokenness, Lord, I pray that you would take it and that you would fill me with your spirit, that I might know your presence, that I might understand how you are guiding me in this world, how you are saving me, that I might have joy in the midst of any struggle I have. I pray that you would be the Lord of my life this year. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen.